night. Thank you so much for that. And without any further ado, I would like to introduce Lauren Alvarez. Thank you. Thank you, Rhiannon. Oh, I'm looking at translation. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> I just, I skipped ahead. I apologize. I cannot forget about our amazing translator. She will now give instructions on how to translate. Hola, para aquellos de que hablan español, pueden escuchar a través de la, la interpretación que yo voy a hacer esta noche. Eh, cuando termino, entonces abajo de la pantalla va a tener un cuadrito así alargado que va, vais a poder elegir o escucharlo en inglés o en español. Simplemente hay que hacer el clic y darle a la izquierda para cuando diga Spanish. Entonces, ahí vais a poder escucharlo en español. Well, I feel horrible because my husband's Colombian and I still, sorry, Amalia, I can't understand what you're saying, but um, our daughter is also bilingual. So at least she has that gift. I have an old brain that um, is trying to learn Spanish, uh, but I, I will, I will prove with that over time. I'll just, I'll just, I'll, I'll believe that. Um, I am Lauren Alvarez. I have been teaching all sorts of parent education for the last two decades and absolutely love doing things with Oklahoma Family Network because I've just been so impressed with how practical they try to make everything. So I know they have a great website and lots of different events that go on. And I'm just thankful they keep asking me back for more. I, by day, am an elementary school counselor. So I work with second, third, and fourth graders, but I'm in an elementary school pre-K through fourth. And then I'm also an LPC candidate. So I'm working towards being a fully licensed therapist and then I've been teaching parent, parenting classes, anger management, all sorts of things for a very long time for improving lives, counseling and family and children's services and um, my school and things like that. So absolutely love teaching on this topic because I'm also a mom. So I have four children of my own. They're now 12, 21, 24 and 26 years old. And truly, I feel like the information and the foundational concepts that I learned when I read the five love languages to children all those years ago, I feel that that has helped me stay connected to my children in a way that I didn't necessarily feel as connected to my parents. I mean, my parents, definitely their generation was not reading books about what's your child's love language. So this is a really practical information. And I'm hoping that it is as helpful to you as it was to me. So let's just jump right in. You might be familiar with the five love languages in reference to couples. So there's a five love languages is a, is a really popular book among couples, among pre-marriage counselors. And it just basically teaches the same concepts except um, about the five love languages, you know, that there's five different ways that we like to receive love. And if you can know your partner's love language and show them love in that love language, they actually feel love. Well, the same thing applies for children. So it, it's such a beautiful, preventive, responsive, connecting um, core ideas that I think that you'll enjoy. Now they have a lot. They have the five love languages of children. They have the five love languages of teenagers because we know teenagers are a whole group unto themselves that sometimes we think, oh my gosh, my child has been abducted by aliens. What happened to my sweet little one? Um, and they go through those teen years and then they come back to us. So I have a preteen right now, but so far actually with all my teenagers, yes, we have had our struggles, but 
I really do feel like the principles of the five love languages helped me stay connected to them, even if that was connection was different. And then they have a new book, The Five Love Languages of Apology. I've never read that one, but that is on my list of things that I would like to read because, you know, we all kind of like to receive different kinds of apology. But Gary Chapman, he is just a wonderful author. And then Ross Campbell joined him on the book, The Five Love Languages of Children. And here's what I know about you guys. Parents deeply love their children. We love, we, we sacrifice for them. We do all these things for them, but not all children feel that unconditional love and care. Why this contradiction? Often parents assume that kids just know we love them because I say, I love you. And we think that that will be enough. How many of you was that enough? I know it wasn't enough for me, but, and I didn't know why. So this really helped me. You know, we, parents love their kids. I mean, that's just a given. But the thing is, is that when it comes to love languages, which I'll explain in a minute, uh, many adults only speak one or two love languages, typically their own, what they prefer. Um, or we're just so busy raising kids and feeding them and keeping them safe and working and all the things that we do, that sometimes our kids will grow up not feeling loved. They'll know in their head, yeah, my parents love me, you know, this is my family, but they might not feel that deep connection. If you aren't speaking to your child in their love language, they won't feel the love, even though you love them. And that's the most frustrating thing, that disconnect that can happen as a parent. You're so frustrated because like, I love you. I mean, look at all the things I do for you. But if it's not in a child's love language, sometimes that connection just isn't quite the same. I kind of liken it to this. So my husband's Colombian. He's from South America. He knows English and Spanish. Spanish was his first language, you know, and and he's been in the United States actually longer now than he was in Colombia. But his preference is thinking. He dreams in Spanish still. So he speaks English and Spanish. I only speak English because he loves me. He talks to me in English. If, because Spanish is easy for him, he chose to talk to me in Spanish, I might pick up every third, fifth, seventh word, but there wouldn't be this deep understanding. And sometimes I would probably, not sometimes, most of the time I would be frustrated and here he could do all these amazing things for me and love me and be committed to me. But there would be a disconnect. We'd be missing each other because he loves me. He speaks to me in English, even though his first language was Spanish. And that's kind of the idea behind the love languages. We're showing our kids we love them in our way. What if we learned their way? And if we learned their way, that connection would be so much more powerful um, and so much more preventive too. Because I will say that based on these principles, I was able to parent and discipline and correct my children out of the strength of our relationship. Um, because that strong connection was there, they could receive it. Correction for me a lot more. So, um, so here are the five love languages. There are five ways children like to express and receive love. Physical touch, you know, the hugs, the kisses, the snuggles, words of affirmation, you know, the compliments, I love you, those kinds of things. Quality time, how much time we spend with them. Gifts, now this does not mean with gifts that you have to buy them stuff all the time, but you know, we'll, we'll kind of describe that here in a little bit. And then acts of service. Acts of service are the things that we do to help them. Um, so let's kind of dig a little deeper into these and explain them. 
All right, physical touch with kiddos. Parents of all cultures recognize that importance of touching their kids. The hugs, the kisses are the most common ways of speaking this love language, but there's a lot of others too. Snuggles, having them sit in your lap when you're reading a story, holding hands. My 12-year-old daughter still holds my hand in the parking lot on the way into Woodland Hills Mall, and it makes me happy. Um, Roughhouse play. This was a big one. I, my three oldest are boys, and then I have my daughter. She came, uh, you know, just 14 years later. Um, but with the boys, I did lots of roughhouse play. And when they were babies, you know, running, chasing them, tickling them, grabbing them, putting them over my shoulder like a sack of potatoes was a game that we liked to play, you know, scratching their back, piggyback rides, anything where there's that connecting touch. They love that. And so, you know, I always thought it was interesting. My uh, my parents are not real huggy. That's just not their thing. And my mom just is not a huggy person. She's just, that's not really her favorite way of expressing love, but she definitely loves us. And my dad is definitely not a huggy person, but you know what he used to do? He used to roughhouse play with us kids. We'd have all these little wrestling games and, you know, um, and he'd balance us on his hands and we'd do these acrobatics things. And interestingly enough, we actually felt a little more connected to our dad. And as I thought about it as an adult, a lot of it was just that roughhouse play. We had that connection with him that we were craving. Well, at least that I was craving. Um, I'm a physical touch person. That's my, um, one of my primary love languages. So, you know, sometimes too, this, uh, this um, we forget that our kids will need this all the way through life. Some studies find that parents only touch kids when it's necessary. All right, I have to give you a bath. You know, I've, I've got a quick hug at night, you know, go and do your thing. We don't really work it into our daily routine. Physical touch is healthy for boys and girls. And I was so affectionate with the boys. When I learned this, I was like, ha ha, I get a free pass. You know, I can hug them. And, you know, they were so affectionate back. They were even weird in that they loved soft things too. So physical touch for them even translated into um, things that were soft and cozy and blankets. And they loved, you know, super soft sweatpants and things like that. Um, and we actually had a huge blanket that we call our cozy cozy, which was two big pieces of fleece that I sewed together with stuffing in between that could fit all of us underneath it. Um, it's like the size of a king size um a comforter. And that was their favorite thing. And they still talk about it and they're cracking up. They're coming home for Christmas and they can't wait to use the cozy cozy. Like they're going to fight over it. Um, but th that kind of stuff was just a part of who they were. Now, physical touch is also healthy after puberty. Sometimes we hold back. Um, oh my gosh, my child looks like a young adult. You know, they're blossoming. And, and then we're, we feel uncomfortable hugging them like we did before they went through puberty. And they notice the difference. And without realizing, we're kind of sending this message of maybe there's something wrong with you or, you know, we're holding them at arm's length. Our kids need our hugs and our affection even after puberty. And of course, things are going to change. Uh, but, but, you know, sometimes we hold back just out of awkwardness. If you've got a child whose love language is physical touch, you have to keep that in play. Now, for one of my sons, physical touch is a big thing. I mean, he just came home two weekends ago. He's 21 years old and he has his dinner. The first thing he says is, mom, will you rub my back? He's 21 years old. He plops down in front of the couch, just like he always did. And he wanted me to rub his shoulders. And what does he do when I do that? 
he talks. He just talks. He's talking about work. He's talking about these different things. He's talking about a trip that he's hoping to take. And for him, that builds connection. And he's 21. He's still my big kid. He used to have this long, glorious hair. I mean, when your mo- when the mom is jealous of her son's hair, I mean, yeah, I even have a picture of it in my phone. It's just, it just was gorgeous. And he would say, mom, will you brush my hair? And I'd be like, okay. But while I would brush his hair, when he was in high school, he would talk and he would feel connected to me without even looking in my face. So that physical touch was really, really important to him. Now, kids will go often through an affection resistant phrase where it's embarrassing for my parent to hug me and stuff, but you can still work that fi- that physical touch and high fives, pats on the back when you're walking by, touching them on the whole shoulder, you know, kind of bonking into them, roughhouse play, playing sports with them. Those are still ways for a child who may not want to be hugged by you in front of their peers or, you know, they just go through that awkward phase. You can still work that in. Um, and I used to work that in with the boys when they would have, my one son really struggled. Um, he he was very uh, sensitive. And so if he had a rough day at school, you know, we were all going to pay for it. And physical touch was important to him. So he'd get off the bus and I could tell, oh, he's got that rough. He didn't have the greatest day. And he'd start his complaining and frustrated and pick on his little brother. And I would, while I was asking about his day, rub his shoulders. While I was asking him, hey, what do we have for homework today? My chair would be pushed right up against his. I would sit right next to him on the couch. He had no idea that on purpose, I was working in physical touch into his afternoon. It, within an hour or two, you know, of all those little mini my, uh, physical touches, he'd be back in a better mood. And what did that better mood mean for him? It made home feel like a safe place. It made home feel like connection. It made home feel like a place where I actually can rest. But I had learned to do that on purpose with him because he needed it. He was much more easily emotionally drained by all the interactions at school than his brothers were. And so when he would come home, I'd fill him back up um, in strategic ways. And he had no idea um, I was being strategic about that. So that's physical touch for you. And, you know, every kid's different, too, with that physical touch. My one son tickling, mm -mm, you know, that would make him mad. Two other sons, they love that. So you you have to know your own child. All right, then we've got our words of affirmation. This is a big one. Communicating love, words are powerful. Words of affection. I love you. You're amazing. You know, I'm so lucky that I get to be your mom. How's my treasure doing today? You know, all of those special little nicknames and cool things that we have. Words of praise and encouragement. Words that give positive guidance that speak their love language. So just those kind, thoughtful words. You know, I love you. Great catch. You can do it. You know, notes in their lunchbox can be a really good thing for kids. Or as they get to be teenagers and as they get to be young adults and move away, like my three sons have done, sending those text messages too. Not every day, because that's called harassment, according to them. You know, they're like, mom, okay, I I have my own life now. Um, But, you know, if I have a thought, you know, or just a cute memory I remember something about, or a, a picture pops up in my Facebook or something like that, I'll just send them a text, you know, a couple times a week and just uh, with, with some more details, you know, I was thinking today about, 
you and the job that you've created for yourself and how you get to travel. I am so thankful that all that hard work you've put through is resulting in you getting to really live a cool life. I'm so proud of you. I sent that one to my oldest this week. He has just forged, carved out a career that allows him to travel and hike and do all the things he loves. And he's moving to Colorado in January. But that was from his hard work and determination. Well, thinking it is great. Saying it is really powerful. So those words of affirmation are really important. You know, having some special bedtime routine where you have a certain thing that you do. Um, I know that one book, um, I Love You Forever. If you don't own the book, oh, it's such a heartbreaker and it's so sweet. But in the book, this parent would crawl across the floor, look up over to the side of the bed and pick up their child and hold them and rock them back and forth and say, I love you forever. I like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. So I made that into a song for the boys. Um, and I would sing it when they go to bed. I love you forever. I like you for always. As long as I'm living, my Colby will be. And they each had their own song. I used to have to sing that when their dad and I divorced. And I would, when they'd be over at their dad's house, they would call and I would sing them their good night song. Well, now they're grown. I don't sing the I love you forever song to them, but I do sign my texts with that love you forever. And they know what that means. There's a connection there. So those things can be really powerful, um, those words of affirmation. And, you know, don't just encourage results. If I'm only giving them encouragement when they've done a good job or they've accomplished something, that is kind of conditional praise. In my household that I grew up in, I did better at school than my brother and sister. And I um, got solos in the choir more than my brother and sister. And I was more athletic than my brother and sister. So I got more positive attention than my brother and sister. But it was only uh, when I was accomplishing something. So did that make me feel secure? No. And my parents, you know, they were, it's not bad to say good job, but that was kind of the only time I got the positives um, is, and so there was this competitiveness in me that felt like I needed to outperform just to get that affirmation. I almost, I needed it from a place of emptiness. Were they doing that on purpose? Of course not. They were just doing what they knew to do. Um, and so it's really important that we also encourage effort. If we have a kid who's struggling, compliment that hard work. Compliment that, man, you didn't give up. Way to go there. I would have given up on that one. and You didn't give up. You know, encourage that effort. It's very powerful. When your child is upset, you know, let's say if you look at it like um, like a seesaw on the playground, if they're kind of down here and they're upset, they're really feeling low. Balance that scale out a little bit. Balance out that seesaw and share reasons why you are proud of them. Because sometimes kids can be really hard on themselves. Yeah, I know. You, we can sit with them in their disappointment and, and feel their feelings with them. But share reasons why you're proud of them. Talk about them to other people in a positive way. When they overhear you talking about them to others, ooh, that's really, that means a lot. And balance out the affirmations and corrections. If you have a child where words of affirmation is their love language, you got to be thoughtful about keeping that balance because words of correction is kind of like using their love language against them. It, I don't want to say it like that. They're extra sensitive to that, meaning correction kind of hits them a little bit harder. You might have a child where you can correct them and it's like, yeah, whatever. 
And then you can have a child when you correct them, they can take it personally. So if you have a child where words of affirmation are the love language, just make sure you balance out those affirmations and those corrections. Really avoid those shaming statements. How could you do this? Well, that was foolish. You know, those kinds of labeling things that um, are dripping in shame, that that hits them 10 times deeper than it would uh, another child where words of affirmation is in their love language. Use that positive loving guidance. So yes, if your child is going through a rough day and you've had to correct them a lot, make sure on purpose you build in as some extra positives that day just to kind of keep it balanced. And for a child like this, I recommend giving one very specific positive I message a day. Here's an example. An I message is I feel because, um, and you're kind of a little bit more detailed. So instead of just, I love you, which we do, I love you. Um, you know, you can say a more positive, more detailed compliment. I feel amazed when I think about getting to be your mom. I love the way that you treat your friends. I'm so glad I'm your mom. It's a detailed, more specific thing. We can get so into routines. Love you. Have a good day. How was your day? That we don't really realize it's almost like a compliment on vitamins. If you can work in one positive detailed eye message a day with everyone in your household, it really changes the tone in the house. It creates this connection and this feeling of safety that, you know, is really beneficial. So, um, all right, now moving on. So we've had physical touch, we've had words of affirmation. Now let's talk about quality time. Quality time, me carving out time to spend with my child or my significant other, that conveys you're important. I like being with you. This is hard. This is hard if you're a working parent. This is hard if you have young children at home and you're exhausted. This is hard if you have a special needs kiddo that takes a lot of extra time you know, which is rightfully so. And it's hard sometimes to carve out time for the other kiddos in your family, but get creative. If you don't plan it, sometimes it's not going to happen. Have date time, campouts, take one child for errands and it's just them. I will tell you, I have had more amazing conversations with my kids in Walmart, in Target. Target seems to especially uh, help me with those conversations, maybe because I love Target so much. Um, but especially my daughter, it's been so interesting that, you know, hey, Sophia, we're going to, I've got to go run some errands. You're going to come with me? Uh, I don't think so. I'm like, come on, we're going to go. And I kind of make her sometimes come with me because, you know, a lot of preteens, they're happy to just sit back and watch their videos and all that. And then we have, you know, we're running errands, but we're connecting and we're talking. Um, and it's just me and her. Carve out special time during bedtime routines, even if it's five minutes, just that extra little connection time makes a difference. One of my good friends, um, she's so great. She does Friday night movie nights. Every single Friday night, it is family movie night. And she has three kids. They rotate who gets to pick between the parents and the kids. So, you know, when it's Genevieve's night to pick, she picks. Um, when it's Lillian's night to pick, she picks and everyone watches the movie. Um, and it's really helpful. Do chores together. When you're cooking, have them in there with you. You know, do do those kinds of things and do them together. And if you're not really good about being spontaneous, schedule it. Um, I'm going to pull this up really fast because I want to give you, let me show you this one thing. 
Um, if you go to TulsaKids.com, so this should pull up for me. Come on. In theory, it should pull up for me. Of course, it's not wanting to. Hold on. Let me see here. But on the Tulsa Kids um, magazine page, I'm not sure why. There it is. Now it's finally connecting. They have all these great ideas of things to do in Tulsa. So right up here in the corner, you'll see this things to do. If you click on things to do, it gets family-friendly activities even by weekend. And this is year round. So 10 things to do this weekend, things to do in Tulsa, where to find Santa, 20 things to do in Tulsa over winter break, winter festivals, best holiday markets and shopping, seasonal show times for holiday music and live theater, Christmas tree farms, holiday lights in and around Tulsa. Tulsa Kids Magazine, this is like on their webpage at all times. What if you planned one or two things a month from there? Um, I have my grown children coming back um, in for the for the Christmas holiday. And they I've already been making my list of things we're going to do. And we're going to have our little uh, Zoom call planning session. All right, guys, here's some opportunities. What do you guys want to do when you're here? Plan it. Schedule it if you can't be spontaneous. Because if you're anything like me, I'm exhausted from work. So if I don't have it on the calendar, sometimes it doesn't happen. But that quality time helps build connection. Another one is gifts. Gifts, giving and receiving gifts can be a powerful expression of love. And this is a funny one for me. I love giving gifts. Love it. But I really don't care if I get gifts. Yeah, I like receiving them if it's meaningful. Um, but if it's just some random thing, I'd just rather not have anything. But I truly enjoy giving gifts. So um, it's a fun one for me. My uh, favorite holiday is coming up. Um, but the size of the gift is not critical here. It could be something as simple as a card. The most important thing is the love that it represents. So make it fit that person. Personalize that. I had a family member who would always give me like these little, they'd almost look like something that would be from a precious moment shop, which is beautiful. Totally not my style. Um, you know, lots of carved flowers and things like that. And they loved these kinds of things. And so they'd give them to me. And that wasn't, it didn't match anything in my house, you know? And so the gift was nice, but it was almost like, do you, are you even paying attention? I don't know. It was, it was almost like the gift for me who loves to give gifts and who's very personal about that. It was almost like, well, that kind of shows how much you don't really know me. So be thoughtful about this. It doesn't have to be some amazing thing, but it can be a simple thing. One of my sons loves gifts. That's always been his thing. He loves the Christmas holiday. He's so excited. He's coming back from Boston and he loved these certain specific mechanical pencils. They were his favorite. They were like five something a piece. Um, and those were his favorite. So sometimes occasionally when I'd be at the grocery store, I'd grab one. I'd have the new mechanical pencil package waiting on his pillow. And he just would happen upon it sometime in the evening. And he'd be like, oh, thanks, mom. I needed that. But what it showed is I was thinking about him when I was away from him but it didn't cost me much at all. So little things like that, mailing a card, mailing a gift. Um, Amazon is, you know, really helpful in this area, but it's not a bribe. It shouldn't be substituted for other love languages, but it's, it's, a, really, um, it's a really powerful token. You know, sometimes just carrying little snacks that you can give as a treat, make cards together and hide those cards in different things. You know, I actually would, when I would find a funny card, 
on sale or something, or when I'd be at the grocery store and I'd grab a funny, silly card, I had a whole drawer full of silly cards. And, you know, maybe once every six weeks, I pop one of those funny, weird cards in their lunchbox. And even my high school boys like this, because especially those ones that made the sound, um, they thought those, I forget what the characters were, but they would crack up. And so they'd open it up and the sound would come on and all their, you know, high school guy friends would be like, what's that? And they'd all start laughing about it. And mom was thinking of me. Yeah, mom embarrassed me a little bit, but they liked it. Now, if they'd given me feedback that they hated it, I would have stopped. But they liked that. You know, I actually shop year round. So I keep lots of little trinkets and little things um, that, you know, could be my secret drawer. And that could, you know, be places that I have things for that. Sometimes they like little treasures or small things. I have a family member who collects heart rocks. So anytime I see a heart rock, I pick it up. And every time I see her, I'm like, oh, here's what I've been gathering while I've been away from you. Um, my oldest lives, my, my second son lives in Boston and he loves grifts, but he was flying in and flying out. He couldn't do anything for that. So we called it the month of Christmas. So every week I had a gift arrive from Amazon and it didn't have to be big. You know, it might be a sweater that he'd been wanting or a little something, his favorite kinds of socks or whatever it might be. Um, and so it was just kind of fun that that whole actually it started right after Thanksgiving. So for five weeks in a row, he had present arriving from mom and he had so much fun and he'd call me when he'd open it, you know, and that was our way of connecting from being apart because gifts, he really likes those. Um, and he really likes sharing wish lists. So, um, but that's some ideas of how you can incorporate gifts. And then this fifth active um, love language is acts of service. This is really powerful. Here's the reality. Parenting is one giant act of service. We are helping, we are doing, we are fixing, we are cooking, we are clothing, we are doing all the things. And sometimes we can get stuck in a rut and think, well, I mean, they should know I love them. Look at all the stuff I do for them. I drive you everywhere. I carpool you to this. I pay for your soccer. You know, we can get really, um, we can just assume that our children know how much we love them because of all the sacrifices we make for them. But do something you know your child will appreciate. Um, make a special dinner. Practice sports. Help with issues or problems. You know, sitting down and talking with them and helping them through a friendship thing or through something they're frustrated with, that's actually an act of service. Fixing something, doing a project together is really fun. This has been fun to adjust and modify as my daughter's getting older. I mean, she left, she actually told me <laughs> it was a little insulting, but kind of cool. She's like, mom, I tell you what, man, one of these days I'm going to get this giant desire. You just watch out. I'm going to organize everything because everything's not organized. And I'm like, oh, cool. I'd love your help with that. And, and like, she likes to do those kinds of projects together. Let's rip everything out of the drawer and get it organized. Um, and that, but we do it together. Um, my one son who's coming, flying in from out of town, his favorite, favorite meal is grilled chicken with basmati rice and caramelized, I, I saute onions. It's like a super simple comfort food, but that is what he always asks for whenever he's back. He, I actually would send those when he was in college. He went to college down in Texas from Oklahoma. And I had a friend who had a son who also was going to college there. And she went down all the time, like twice a month. So I would make his favorite meal, send it with her. She'd meet him on the Baylor campus. He'd get his food and he'd be like, oh, I love you, mom. Well, I'm picking him up at midnight from the airport. 
and I'm going to have fresh chicken and rice with onions and a little thermos so it's nice and warm. So when he eats it, when he's in the car driving home from the airport, he and his girlfriend are going to be eating his favorite chicken and rice because guess what? That feels like home. That's an act of service. Do you think I want to cook food and pick anyone up from the airport at midnight when I'm in education? No, I'm a tired teacher. That's going to, that thing right there, that's like a mega dose for him for those acts of services. So it could be cleaning up the room, making a special breakfast, whatever it is. Um, and that could be a really powerful thing. So those are the five different languages. Let me see how I'm doing on time. I have a tendency, I could go for like 17 hours. Um, so how do I know what my child likes? Or how do I even know what my partner likes? Um, Rhiannon, who was introducing me at the very beginning, she actually took the love language test. There's some online surveys that you can do, which can be great for some of your older kids or teenagers or your significant other family members. I even had a whole family when they did this. The, the two, the parents, they were actually in their early 60s. They'd been married for a really long time. They're about to have a family vacation and they'd never heard of the five love languages. And so they took a survey and they were so excited about it that that's an activity that their family did when they all got together on their Florida vacation. And because their kids were grown and they're like, okay, everyone, this has really helped us. Everyone is doing the love language test. And then what do they talk about? Like the whole trip, it was really kind of funny for them to discover that information together. But every kid kind of has a preference. So here's the reality. Speak all the love languages to your children. Don't be like, oh, well, they like physical touch. That's all I'm doing. All right. I'm only going to give you hugs and all that stuff. But you know, forget the words of affirmation and, you know, all that kind of stuff. They'll, they like all of them, but they'll tend to like one or two more than the others. So here's what you can do. You kind of have to be a detective. Look how your child expresses love to you and others. My daughter, the second I walk in the door, mom, guess what? What, Sophia? I love you. She is very verbally expressive. She was the one who loved, I saved so many of her little things that she would write. Um, she even sent a little card to her brother. She draw a, drew a picture on a post-it note and I sent it to him, her oldest brother. When he went to college, she was just in kindergarten. And, uh, and it said, um, it had a picture of her running to meet him. And you know, like she had her hands out like she was going to give him a hug. And she said, I never stopped loving you when you went to college. And it was just so precious, but he wasn't there for her to tell him anymore. So she had to like send him notes. Um, so listen to what they ask for the most. If they want a hug or, hey, mom, will you help me? Or, hey, dad, will you help me with this? Or, you know, do they, do they want to spend time with you? Kind of what are they asking for the most? Now, here's the kicker. What do they fuss about? What are they complaining about the most? Because they're complaining about what they're wishing for. They're complaining about what they feel they're not getting. And it comes across as ungrateful and all that, but peel back the layers of that. Hmm, you're always spending time with her and you never spend time with me. I wonder what their love language would be. Probably quality time. And you can even do things like give them a choice between two options. Do you want to play a game or go buy a book? Um, you know, sometimes what they choose can give you an idea. And this is a big one. I actually just did this last week because I knew I was preparing to teach this. Ask them, how they know you love them. And so I asked my daughter this when we were sitting down having dinner. Sophia, how do you know I love you? Well, you're my mom. No, like, what are things I do that make you feel loved, that make you think, oh yeah, my mom really loves me. And she said, you listen to me. 
I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, like when I'm saying something or I have an idea, you don't just like cut me off. You listen to me. Um, you hear what I'm saying. Um, and one of her, a big, really powerful one for her is that the words of affirmation, which she is very expressive. She's very vocal about her love, but also the time. She really likes that time together of me taking the time. And let me tell you what, I am busy. I'm busier now than I've ever been in my whole life. Um, and so just those little micro moments make a huge difference to her. Not like, what, what, I, I, I got to do this. It's like, yeah, tell me about that. You know, five minutes can feel like two hours if it's five really focused minutes. So um, ask your kid, how do you know I love you? And it can give you some cues. Now also be aware that their, their needs can change over time. My primary love language has always been physical touch. I've always been like that affectionate, you know, I love roughhousing with my dad, you know, love holding hands and all that stuff. Then after I have kids, um, had kids, you know, my love language changed a little bit. Physical touch was still important to me, but you know, it was important to me, acts of service because time was love. You doing that just saved me time. You doing those dishes just saved me time. You cleaning up after yourself just saved me time. And that made me feel loved and cared for. So no, I don't want to hold your hand. I mean, help me clean the kitchen. And then I feel like holding your hand. So, you know, your, things can change over time. So pay attention. Um, but typically kids, they speak all the love languages, but by the time they're about five or six years old, they'll settle in on a typical favorite. Um, under the age of five or six, you know, sprinkle, do a large smattering of all of them. Um, and it can be really helpful. And there are some surveys and things that you can even take online. This whole presentation will be emailed to you. So if you, let me click on this and it should pull it right up. It takes you to the Five Love Languages um, website. Um, and there's actually some surveys and some different things that you can use for kids. And on the Five Love Languages website, there's some digital um, ones that you can do um, yourself and with kids. So that can be a, just a helpful tool. I mean, that'd be a cool family activity. Now, here's where this all kind of ties in. So why the five love languages? What in the world does this have to do? Or how does this make relationships better? We all have these things. What's It's called our emotional tank. It's kind of like a bank account. So um, an emotional tank, it, you might have heard it referred to as um, being a bucket filler, your emotional bucket, being a bucket filler is a big catchphrase in a lot of education um, realms like schools um, where are you being a bucket filler? You know, these are things that when I do them, it fills someone's emotional bucket. When I do some negative things or hurtful things that can empty that emotional bucket. Now, when I speak my child's own love language, I fill their emotional tank with love. When my child feels love, it's actually much easier to discipline and train and then they have an empty love tank that's running near empty. That's straight from the book from Gary Chapman, page 17, if you need to look it up. So I've even taught this in schools to my teachers. Hey, if this child misbehavior is often, if we can peel back the layers of that misbehavior, it serves a purpose. It's trying to fill a need, even if it's trying to fill that need in a negative way. So if your child's constantly pestering you, pestering you, pestering you, I wonder if they want quality time. And just a five minutes of school after school routine where it's just you and them, they're eating a snack, you're scratching their back, you know, or when you get home from work, you've got this established little thing that you do that you carved out time, then they're not going to try to steal your time for the rest of the night. 
I mean, these things really work. And this is, this has been the most powerful thing for me with my own children is when they're feeling connected and they feel like their emotional tank is full, even when they do stupid things that teenagers do, or, you know, people are in moods, we're not perfect kiddos um, or humans, they can respond to my correction because they feel loved Then it doesn't feel like a rejection to them. So um, you give heavy doses of their primary love language um, and then sprinkle the other four. That helps them feel loved, all right? And another key thing, well, if you're ones that like to set some goals, try to start and end the day in their love language. If we can start the morning and end the day, um, great. For, for one of my sons, I could not use words when I woke him up. What helped him is if I just rubbed his back for a minute and then very quietly, all right, Colby, time to get up. That started his day with a warm feeling. Now, if we were late and I whipped back the covers, come on, come on, we're running late. The day already set the tone for the day. So be thoughtful about your child's love language, start and end the day in that. Um, when they feel love, they're more responsible to our guidance. It's preventive. That for me has been the most amazing thing. I really, to be honest, I don't spend most of my time disciplining and correcting my kids. I never had to. Those early childhood years, yes, when you're just trying to keep them alive and not have them put their finger in the electric socket, even in those early childhood years, a lot of preventive things like getting enough naps and, you know, those kinds of things were definitely helpful. But I really, I didn't spend all this time constantly correcting behavior because when you pour in and they're already full, they tend to not act out as much because their needs are met. Now, this is not the case for everyone. If you have a child with ADHD or some other things going on, you know, yes, you're going to have some kids who are more challenging kids, but the more connected you feel, typically the less misbehavior you have. It also helps kids heal from difficult events. So when the boys were three years old, first grade and third grade, their father and I went through a divorce. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. It was hard on everyone. And now I didn't have the boys all the time. And their dad didn't have them all the time. We shared that back and forth time. It was hard. I truly 100% believe that having this knowledge of the five love languages of children is what helped my children adjust to this life event that they never asked for. Was that a, a bucket draining activity? Absolutely. Everything about it was draining. You know, with them going through their grief process, that was emotionally draining for them. But when I could strategically, knowing I don't have them all the time, and now I'm working all sorts of hours, you know, how could I sprinkle that in and be purposeful in my limited time with my kids and made all the difference in the world? They all had their own different struggles and adjustments and things that they had to do. But through it all, we had connection. We had connection. And I felt like it really helped them heal. If I hadn't had this, I would have just been overwhelmed by life circumstances and we could have had a lot more challenging things that showed up later in their teenage years. So I'm so, so grateful because it was an important part of their healing. Love, safety, emotional safety, that creates an environment of healing. And, you know, and that was really helpful to me. And I'm remarried now and have my daughter and, you know, thankfully had these principles kind of from the get-go. Now, 
every great thing has a dark side. So here's something to think about and be aware of. So every language, love language has some suggestions of things you should do. But the opposite of that is if we use their love language in a negative way. For them, it, it hurts them more deeply. Words of affirmation, um, words of affirmation and physical touch are really important to me. But I would say now my, my top two are words of affirmation and acts of service. Help me and affirm me. I am much more sensitive to criticism. Even if what the other person is saying, if all I'm hearing is do this, do this, do this, do this, it literally overshadows everything else. Now, if I hear do this, do this, whatever, but then I'm also getting that balance and those compliments and, you know, the affirmations and, and the verbal notice, um, it balances the scale and I'm good. So you've got to be thoughtful. And I had to be really thoughtful of this with my kids. So physical touch, try to avoid physical punishment, neglect, pulling away from physical touch after puberty. That can be tough. Now, I'm not here to do a whole lesson on spanking or not spanking or whatever. But if you have a child whose love language is physical touch, you know, you've got to be really careful about that. I spanked my one son once because I was very uh, against it simply because it was not used well when I grew up. I knew I didn't enjoy that experience as a child. Um, and I was so frustrated with him. And I remember he turned around and he looked at me and he just started, he cried, but it wasn't, it was a different, it was like, how could you do that? So, I mean, I had discipline in my house, but I, I could not do physical punishment and it, it became counterproductive. It would hurt them more than it would help them. So you have to be really thoughtful about that with kiddos where physical touch is their primary love language. Get those hugs in before and after school. Sit next to them while you're doing their homework. Um, during discipline, you can actually hug them while correcting them. You know, you can have your hand on their shoulders while correcting them. That or gentle loving touches can redirect a lot um, for them. So that can be really helpful. Words of affirmation. Avoid criticism, negative reinforcement, and praise with conditions. Criticism, I'm not saying you can't correct your kids. But there's a difference between criticism and correction. You've got to be thoughtful about how you say stuff. If you do have to correct, be purposeful and balance it out with, I wouldn't even say praise, I would just say some positives. Um, to help with learning, lots of good jobs, lots of you know uh, affirming their effort, those can all be great. And during discipline, oh my goodness, avoid yelling and shaming. When they've messed up, correct them and also remind them of how proud you are. So Two examples of this come from one of my own sons. So my, my third son, love him to pieces. He's all words of affirmation and physical touch. Um, he's my one that had the glorious long hair. Well, after his little sister was born, he was nine years old at the time and everything was great. And then she's about one and a half. And, you know, you know what? I gave up their bedtime routine because I'm taking care of a toddler and giving her a bath and getting her fed. And, you know, like there, you, you can put yourself to bed, you know, and I just noticed that his whole behavior started to change. And he kind of was like a little punk. I mean, he was, he would back talk. He was slow to obey. His teachers were talking about kind of what a little smart aleck he was becoming at school. And I remember one night when he was in sixth grade, I said, what has happened to you? All you do is talk back. And his response to me was, all you do is boss me around. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pay attention to how I talk to you over the next few days. And he was right. For every 20 things I would say to him, at least 16, 17 would be a command. 
Colby, put Colby, put your back right away. Come on, Colby, we gotta go. Colby, Colby. And it was all negative. Now, did that boy need correction? Absolutely. But actually, a lot of his misbehavior was coming from that was the only way he was going to get my attention. Because where was my attention absorbed? On his toddler aged sister. So I switched gears and became very purposeful. Of course, I had to correct him and I had to continue to correct him, but I kept it balanced. And he was back to his normal self within about six weeks. And I'm like, there's the Colby I know. Very huge. One time when he was a teenager, I, you know, very connected to my kids, not a yeller. I am a corrector. And I was so mad at him because he was in an online class. And I get that call every Friday. Your child is failing one or more classes. And uh, I got, I just stormed upstairs and I'm like, I do not know what is wrong with you. You can make an A in this class and you've got an F again. You are not allowed to go out until you raise that to a passing grade. Guess who raised his online class to a passing grade in the next hour and 17 minutes? He did. He's like, mom, I'm heading out. Excuse me? Yeah, I'm, I've got to be now in the class. It was an online class. I said, oh, no, you're not. And then all that frustration, all that fear, all that, I just let him have it. I mean, we're talking lots of shame talk, lots of yelling. What is wrong with you? You're just wasting your life away. And I, da, 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 da. are you even thinking about your future? You know, all these different things of frustration and me not managing my own emotions. That cost me two months of connection with him. And I knew it. I knew it by the look in his face. He just set his jaw. I knew it. And so I had to go back up. I had to go back up. It took me a couple of hours to go back up because I was still so mad. And I went back up and I just said, you know, I was very angry and I should not have been talking to you while I was angry. I said, I am frustrated, but how I said that, it made it seem like I'm not proud of you and all the stuff that you do well, because you do this and you do this and you do this. And he was just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cost me two months with him because he, words of affirmation, that was his. And I just used it against him in a moment of anger. And we did rebuild that connection very close but it was strained there for a little bit. He was a little bit more resistant. So I had to be very purposeful to rebuild that connection while still needing to correct him. So be thoughtful about that. Quality time, avoid long periods of time apart or spending more time with others instead of them. You know, sit with them while they're doing their homework. In a disciplined situation, isolation can be really hard. So try to work together to solve problems. And if we do need to do some isolation or some timeout, really make sure that when it's done, we're doing some connecting. That can be really powerful. Gifts, avoid missing special days. For a kid or a grown-up who gifts are important to them, those tokens that you're thinking about me, if we forget a birthday, if we forget an anniversary, it hurts. It's like, oh, okay. You know, don't use gifts to make up for a lack of love and don't take away a gift as punishment because that's like removing your love. So if you've got a kid who's Gifts are their primary love language. Be very thoughtful about that. Mark your calendar. Use your smartphones and make it beep at you so you don't forget the special days. And acts of service, try to avoid ignoring their requests of help and helping someone else before them. Now, this is tricky, though. We don't want to raise kids who are totally dependent. So you shouldn't do for your children what they can do for themselves. You know, if they can make their beds, they can clean their rooms, they can do these things, but you can surprise them every now and then. And there's a lot of things that are acts of service that you can do for them, 
that doesn't mean you're doing everything for them because that really um, does not raise children who can take care of themselves. And try to avoid those phrases, or I'll do this for you. If you do this for me, then it's like I'm only helping you because I have to. That can hurt a kiddo who's this is their lifestyle. And in discipline, don't say you regret doing things for them. I can't believe I even helped you with this. I can't believe I even drive you to this. If acts of service is a big deal to them, and I am saying I regret doing that stuff for you, it's kind of like I regret loving you. Now, is that what we're trying to say? Of course not but that's how they'll feel it and hear it in their heart. So we've got to be kind of mindful and thought, thoughtful about that. Now, there are going to be some extra handouts that are sent to you. I sent those off last week, so they'll get those sent out to you. The whole PowerPoint will be sent to you. She so can kind of look back at that. Um, but I hope that this information helps you as, as much as it did me. I highly recommend the book. You know, there's books that are really difficult to read, this one's such an easy read. Um, I mean, and, and now they have audiobooks and stuff would be a super simple thing to read and listen to. Um, but it's not a long book. It's a really powerful book. But it is a book that I wish every family when they left the hospital with their child, they would get the five love languages of children. Because I feel like if we did this, we just have a lot more connected, well-behaved kids who feel emotionally connected. You love your kids. Let's make sure they feel it. And it's simple little strategic things. And one thing I did forget to say is we do tend to show love in our love language. So if I'm physical touch, I'm going to go up and give you hugs. Well, they, that might not be their thing. You know, one of my sons, he's not physical touch, you know, like super. He doesn't like the hugs and all that stuff. He did like soft, cozy things, but that's not his primary at all. So is what if I had to adjust and modify to him. You know, so get to know it. We will think, well, of course they know they love me. I like these things. Well, that's great. You like those things. Do they like those things? Talk to them, find out what they like, have them make their little, you know, things they love to do. Make a little wish list. I keep notes in my phone on my note section of different things as I'm thinking about it that might be ways of building connection to each individual kid. They have their own page. Um, but remember, just like my husband talks to me in English and not in Spanish, he's speaking to me in my language. That builds our connection. So you can give yourself some credit that you have been showing them love. Just make sure it's in their love language, not yours because then they will feel loved and it'll match how much you love them. So hopefully that will help you out like it helped me out. Um, I see there's some stuff in the chat section. I'm not sure if we had any questions. Um, oh, someone mentioned that the Metro Magazine is a good resource for those in and around Oklahoma City area if you are looking for fun things to do with your kiddos. Um, and everything else seemed to be technical stuff. So that's all I have. Anyone have any questions or take it away? All right. I'm not seeing any questions. Me either. Thank you so much, Lauren. I'm so grateful to be able to listen to this again. It was amazing. And I hope all of our attendees loved it as much as I did. Um, this ends our caregiver retreat for 2022. We hope you all have happy holidays and safe, um, the safe rest of the year because it is a busy season and we all need to take care of ourselves mentally and physically. 
please take time for yourself. Um, go into oklahomafamilynetwork.com or .org. We have tons of resources. There's holiday events. Majority of everything that we post is free, whether it be free trainings, um, free resources, everything. Go and check it out. You will not regret it. And with that, I think y'all are free to hop off and go take a warm bath and drink some hot cocoa. Sounds good. Thanks. Have a good night. Thank you, Lauren. It was awesome. My pleasure. You take care. You too. Stay safe and warm. Absolutely. <laughs> <clears throat>miss this how do we fill out the survey would that be emailed oh. to us um hold on let me get you the link like the five love languages no i thought they said that by the end of this class they were going to send us a survey for the whole um retreat that we uh, have it will be out. emailed Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much. Everything was You're so welcome. amazing. Thank you. And if you okay. if you have any questions or if you want certain resources from a session, you can always email that back. Okay, perfect. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you. I enjoyed seeing you all. Rihanna, great job. I'll see you guys.